Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, and joining me, one of my favorite NFL writers and analysts, the NFL News Desk writer for SB Nation these days, just got that job, very happy for him, and Setting the Edge podcast writer, Charles McDonald. Charles, how are you? I'm doing fine. Enjoying uh, another hot day in D.C., but besides that, I got no complaints. So will you be all moved into your new job by the time training camp is over? How do you grind preseason tape if you're moving at the same time? Oh, it's easy. Uh, Like I was talking (laughs) to you before, uh, before we got on, just get a little air mattress, get a little TV, and (laughs) that's all you need to go. I mean, I was was moving in with somebody who already had the place, so the internet was all set up, so it was perfect, you know, tape grind cave for me perfect so i yeah when i moved uh to minnesota it was a little bit of a problem because it took a few days to get the internet so i was going to other people's houses and going to like mcdonald's and being one of those people that sits there for a long time and just writes on his computer so i'm glad that you don't have to be that weird person in public um i want to have some fun with this, Charles, because now you are the news desk writer. So you are paying attention to everything that's going around the league. And I just want to talk about the most interesting teams that are either maybe on the Viking schedule, not on the Viking schedule, but as we really ramp up to the season here, ones that might be the hardest to predict. So I'm just going to start with hard knocks, Charles. I know you've been watching hard knocks. So what has been your thought as it just kind of gets going and, you know, with the Browns having this kind of bizarre offseason where they have expectations, even though they went 0-16, where they rank on your list of the most fascinating teams going into the season? Oh, I mean, probably near the top. Just like when you look at all the moves that this team made in the offseason, uh, even just before you get to hard knocks, like getting Tyrod Taylor from the Bills, who had a phenomenal preseason opener, getting Baker Mayfield the per- first pick in the draft, trading for and extending Jarvis Landry. I mean, they made a ton of big moves to try to rectify that 0-16 season from last year. And to be fair to them, you can only go up. So I guess <laughs> you might as well be positive because it's really hard to be worse than going 1-31 in your last 32 games. I mean, you can literally only lose one more game 
that's like that's possible and they almost did lose that game against the chargers a couple years ago uh but you know the intrigue is added by everything that's going on with hard knocks like this team like on paper they should be able to go seven and nine eight and eight nine and seven in that range where maybe you're sniffing the doors for a playoff spot in a weaker division but then you watch them interact with each other during practice and this is like they're they're like a broken team in a way <laughs> yes. where where the i mean i don't know if you saw episode two but that part where tyrod taylor is telling hugh jackson what he needs to do to corral the troops that's abnormal behavior for someone who's getting paid to be the head coach of the team and someone who's eventually going to be the backup for baker mayfield like they're they're just a really fascinating team to watch and obviously you have the josh gordon conundrum so you know, any range of outcomes from like one in 15, two and 14 to, you know, 10 and six is, is really on the table for this team based on their talent, you know? So that's one team that I'm absolutely fascinated with this year. So that's a great point because I think if you took the Cleveland Browns roster and you gave them the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff, Mike Zimmer is their head coach. And let's even say just like Pat Shermer, what they had last year and you know, the George Edwards and everybody, that, that that team makes the playoffs, and they're one of the better teams in the league. But with this coaching staff, I just don't trust them at all, Charles. And that ha- and they haven't made me trust them more by watching Hard Knocks. I mean, Greg Williams looks like a guy that is lost in the woods with today's uh, defenses. And last year, playing Jabril Peppers 70 yards away from the line of scrimmage was just kind of bizarre and didn't work at all. And then when you watch him, you don't ever get the sense that you can trust Greg Williams more than you thought you could. And with Hugh Jackson dealing with the distractions that he's dealing with and plus not really knowing how to lead the team, I feel like the coaching staff is the biggest thing that could end up holding that team back. Yeah, it it really doesn't make much sense. And, you know, Greg Williams was – Greg Williams, he's kind of in like, like, like what you said, like that North Turner, Jeff Fisher tier of coaches where, yeah, at one time they were like on the cutting edges of what they were doing for their profession. But the game passes guys by and the good ones like, or the great ones like Belichick, they can adapt and change what they need to do in order to be, you know, more modern, more with the times. But some guys are just passing them by. And I think Greg is, is probably one of those guys. And you just kind of see how he handles himself where he's just being big, loud, and, and aggressive to everybody. It just, it, it's, it's gross. Yeah, it's, it's an act that I think probably worth in, you know, quite some time ago. And if Hugh ends up looking back at what his downfall was, because if I were to predict this thing, I think that Hugh ends up having a disappointing year, losing his job, and then looks back and says, you know what, maybe that was one area where I should have made a change. But uh, how many weeks do you think, or do you think at all, um, that we will see Tyrod Taylor start as a member of the Cleveland Browns? Man, I, I don't know. I, it's just hard to tell because, one, this coaching staff is wildly unpredictable, especially Hugh Jackson, where last year they go into the season, all right, Deshaun Kaiser is our starter, for better or for worse. And, you know, he was very adamant before the season started that he had Kaiser's back no matter what happened over the next 16 games, blah, 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 blah. All of that turned out to be a huge lie. Uh, you know, he threw Kaiser under the bus multiple times, pulled him from games that he was struggling. So really just went back on the initial plan, which, you know, I, I get it when you're one and 
whatever at, at that point in the season, you're going to get desperate to scratch for a win. But still, like at some point, you got to stick to your word a little bit. So mm-hmm. Tyrod's been running with the first team. Apparently, Baker hasn't gotten any reps with the first team offense, which I kind of find hard to believe because he's the future. Uh, he kind of wanted to play at some point, and he played really well against the Giants. Like he was awesome, but Tyrod was too in his own, in you know, uh, respect to Tyrod, but. It's just kind of hard to put any stock into what Hugh Jackson says or what this coaching staff has to say just because they, they've shown that you shouldn't really trust them based on the past two years. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to the next team that I think is quietly very fascinating because they play in an awful division aside from New England, and they have Teddy Bridgewater, who is of great interest to Minnesota Vikings fans. The formerly 5-11 and New York Jets from last year, Bridgewater looks... Really good. I mean, I know that it was like nine passes, but he waited on his reads. He made accurate throws. He even scrambled at one point. He seemed to have drive behind the ball. I mean, that was appointment television for me. I was really interested in seeing what he looked like. And then uh, he did not disappoint whatsoever. So I wouldn't be surprised now, Charles, if Teddy Bridgewater is either traded to someone, but I don't know who, or if he ends up starting and then they kind of have a bit of a conundrum there. Yeah, I don't know because it, it, it's weird. Like, we're sitting in 2018 and, oh, wait, do the Browns and Jets have too many good quarterbacks? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think that Teddy's in a in a fascinating situation where uh, Joshua Towns probably going to be the starter week one unless Sam Darnold beats him out. But, like, you haven't really heard much buzz about Teddy – being the starter, and for all intents and purposes, he might be the best quarterback that they have on the team. You know, just when you look at what he did last week for the Falcons, he's playing under pressure. He's making throws while he's getting hit. Uh, he's throwing really good passes down the field, up the scene, like really everything you want, to, everything you want to see. And for part of that, he was going up against the Falcons' first team defensive line, so it's not even like he was going to get some scrubs. Yeah, this is a team that this is the only team that slowed down the Eagles' offense in the playoffs last year. Uh, so, it, you know, I think it was very, very encouraging for him uh, to come out and play well. Uh, but if you, I think if you're just looking at it from the Jets uh, situation, Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, they're almost the same player in terms of what you need from them today. If you're mm-hmm. the Jets, you know, you only you only need one year from each of them before you give Sam Darnold the reins. And that's really one year at most if Sam Darnold keeps working the way he did against the Falcons backups last week. So, I think you trade them. I don't know where to, though, because right now everyone seems to have recent investments to their quarterback situation. Probably Tampa Bay or maybe Jacksonville makes the most sense just because, you know, if Bortles does regress, which I think is going to happen, you don't want to throw Cody Kessler out there because we've already seen Cody Kessler play. It'd be nice to have someone more proven like Teddy Bridgewater. But, yeah, if I, if I was the Jets, uh, you know, maybe you throw him out there for another game, hope he plays well, and then after that you convince someone to give you, like, a, a date that you pick for him. As an aside, I watched Blake Bortles practice yesterday against the Minnesota Vikings, and I have a very important question for you, Charles. Why is Blake Bortles the, still the quarterback of the Jacksonville NFL Jaguars? Because I, he went 4 for 11 in 11-on-11 11 drills, and I know it's just a practice, but... It was all inaccurate throws, bad reads. He, just even warming up, he looks inaccurate. So I, I think that he's had a big enough sample to prove that he's not a good starting quarterback. And with so many options out there and so many quarterbacks who wouldn't mind showing up on a 10-6 and six team, they could have brought in Keenum. They could have brought in Bridgewater. They could have tried for Cousins. They could have drafted Lamar Jackson. Like, this team let everybody go by 
for this guy? Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Because uh, I, I think when you look at what Blake did last year, that's an aberration for what the rest of his career has been. And like, just when you look at where he's been in terms of touchdowns, accuracy, interceptions, last year was way, like a way outlier year for him. So like almost in the way that Matt Ryan's outlier year, like 2016 was an outlier year, except when Matt Ryan has his outlier year, you get good enough to win the MVP. When Blake Bortles with his, with his outlier year, you get good enough to not be trusted in the second half of the AC championship game, you know? Right. So, it, and that was kind of baffling to me, like, you're going to extend this guy and you don't even trust him enough to try to get you to the Super Bowl. Like, do you understand how hard it is to get to the AC championship game? Like, at New England on the road where you have a chance to win that game and you're going to bring that quarterback back that you don't trust. It, it doesn't make much sense to me. And I, I, I just, I think he's really going to regress this year, uh, for the Jaguars. So, I, I'm with you. I don't get it. I'd be trying to trade for Teddy Bridgewater like today if that hap- if, if that was on the table. But, you know, NFL teams think simple, like they think simplistically. So they just see, oh, we had a quarterback that we won 10 games with and we almost got to the Super Bowl. We should just bring him back and try again. Cause, you know, winning is equated with the quarterback, even when you have one of the best passing for the cell you've seen in quite some time last year. The positive outlier season for Blake Bortles is an 84 quarterback rating. I mean, that's, that's incredible and really telling at, at where he stands. And even if his supporting cast helps him and boosts him up a little bit, that's still very unlikely to be good enough for the Jacksonville Jaguars to really compete. Uh, it reminds me very much of a Doug Marone team, I believe in 2013 where 2014 whichever year it was where uh they went to Kyle Orton after four games even though you knew EJ Manuel was not good enough they stuck with him through the whole offseason and then in a couple games uh they switch over to Kyle Orton and then you know it was a wild ride from there but once again they missed the playoffs um right so here's a question for you who plays because we were talking about the uh, the Jets is where that started and then I just had to let you and I rant about Blake Bortles but um who ends up combining for more yards so I'm throwing in the running element of this this year Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold or Lamar Jackson uh, probably Baker I don't know I probably Darnold actually I'm I'm going go with Sam Darnold just cuz with Lamar I just I just don't know if touches are going to be there like you know, I, I put money on him starting at least one game this year, uh, just because I don't trust Flacco. But the Ravens do seem pretty committed to Flacco, and, and to his credit, uh, it, it's funny that now after the Ravens spend the first round pick on the quarterback for the first time in a decade, oh Flacco's coming out and trying his hardest, he has best offseason <laughs> ever, and, and it's funny how that works. And he finally gets some competition, right? Uh, but Flacco, he did, you know, to that point, he did come out and he looked really sharp versus the Rams defense. Uh, obviously, you know, it wasn't their full defense, but he, he did come out and look better than he has in, in quite some time, like probably since the Super Bowl run. So if he comes out and plays decent this year, Lamar's probably going to stay on the bench. Uh, Baker, you know, right now, we don't really have any other reason. Like, it, it, we shouldn't trust the Browns, but Baker's only gotten second-team reps in practice and in games. So uh, I think that they're pretty settled in on Tyrod, and if he plays well, you might as well just keep sticking with him. So I'm going to go with Darnold. Uh, I think he's probably, I think him and Josh Allen probably have the best chance to start the most games this year as rookies. Uh, so I'm going to go with Darnold. And when it comes to Josh Allen, I agree with uh, Jalen Ramsey's um, 
you know, analysis of Josh Allen. So that will be interesting if he ends up playing against the Vikings defense at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, I, I wish him the best for that because I, I once watched Brock Osweiler try to face the Vikings defense at U.S. Bank Stadium, and it did not go very well. Um, but yeah, the, and those are, those are games that can, like, really hurt someone's confidence, you know. Yeah. I, like, I think the, the Bills, they have to play the Jaguars, too, this year. So, like, you're going to get – and I, and I really do think that Josh Allen is going to start a considerable amount of the game this year just when you look at his competition. I know I know Nathan Peterman came out – and he posted a pretty stat line yesterday, but in terms of what he was asked to do, like, I thought Josh Allen had a far more impressive day than Peter Manuel. Peterman, it was mainly just like those short hitch routes until he hit Benjamin on the deep touchdown. Uh, but Josh Allen, he was kind of out here testing the defense for sure. So this week, when you look at the talent, I think Josh Allen's probably the best one on the team. Then you look at the schedule, it's kind of like, oh, and then you look at his supporting cast and it makes you grown again. But this is kind of where, this is kind of the situation the Bills have placed themselves in. So. Well, yeah, they, I mean, seemed to let a lot of talent go from that team. And then uh, it, it was just a, a, an odd overall direction also to even let Tyrod Taylor go. Like, are you going to try to get to the playoffs again after last year or not? Because it kind of seems like not. But um, now you're just a little bit of floating around and you've got a quarterback that is very hard to believe in if you've ever looked at any other quarterback who makes it ever. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I think they are in a tough spot. But speaking of... Of really strong-armed quarterbacks that I do believe in, um, Kansas City might be the quietest, super interesting team because of Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes only. Yeah, but the Chiefs are. Yeah, if they wanted to put Patrick Mahomes back in his element of playing Big Twelve football again with a loaded offense and no defense, you know, this is going to be the perfect situation for him because I don't know how the Chiefs could stop you and me out there receiver <laughs> this year. Uh, <laughs> Justin Houston is is not. He's still a good player, but he's not quite what he used to be. So you're kind of relying on him and Chris Jones, who's inconsistent in his own right, pick up that efficiency. And then outside of that, it's Kendall Fuller and Reggie Ragland and Eric Berry, I guess, if he's completely good coming off the, off of injury. It's like some guys who used to be okay in the past, but not that great anymore. Uh, but on offense, absolutely. Like they're going to have a lot of fun out there. Just like when you look at the deep ball, uh, component of it. Obviously, like, Alex Smith was historically efficient on his deep balls last year, and that's likely to regress just because, you know, numbers and statistics and all that nerd stuff, but they're going to be fun to watch, man. Like, uh, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Chris Conley can run, uh, you got Sammy Watkins that they brought in the offseason, Kareem Hunt coming back for another year. They're off of the line of saw. Like, there's no real reason for this team not to have one of the better offenses in the league unless Mahomes just comes out and completely stinks it up year one. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about that team because even if it's bad, it's going to be fun to watch regardless. So Mahomes is one of my favorite sort of, uh, I guess test cases because it always seems to me, Charles, like there are quarterbacks of a similar type who get a narrative around them that end up dropping. And by similar, I mean black quarterbacks. Because, you know, when it was Teddy Bridgewater, it was he had a bad pro day, and all of a sudden he's 32nd. Before his knee falls apart, the guy is a franchise quarterback. And Lamar Jackson falls, and then Russell Wilson falls. And they're not the only guys who have ever dropped in the draft, but I, I just can't get to a world where Patrick Mahomes was not a better quarterback pro 
prospect than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I, I watched them and I read everything that everybody wrote about them and it just baffled me where they got drafted. So I love to see those guys succeed who drop in the draft because of whatever reason it might be. You know, with Mahomes, it's, uh, you know, he's just all over the place. But with Josh Allen, there's lots of excuses for why he didn't have better numbers. And it just, it doesn't always, it doesn't add up to me. And I, I feel like it's still a thing that kind of is around in the NFL. If a prospect is not perfect, like Cam Newton, where he's an all-time freak, that they're going to find some excuse to make him drop. And I thought it was brilliant for Kansas City to say, you know what, Alex Smith is a decent quarterback, but I don't think that he's the one who gets us there. Let's let's draft this kid who's got an unbelievable arm and kind of a freakish talent for going off script. So I'm really interested to see how that goes for him because I thought he was a much better prospect even though where he got drafted that year compared to the other quarterbacks. Yeah, him and Watson. Well, Watson was my guy that year. I love Deshaun Watson. And then after after that, it was my home for sure. Like, no, I'm with you. His style of play, it's fun. And, you know, he just kind of got knocked for it. And the thing with Mahomes is he didn't even throw that many interceptions in Texas Tech. So you, you get to the NFL and they're talking about, oh, he's just going to be a turnover machine. But, like, what evidence do you have that that would be the case? Like, he's just kind of like this – he's a gunslinger, but he's also – like, statistically, he was, like, hyper-efficient in college, both, like, with his adjusted yards per attempt, yards per attempt. He was just a really good all-around quarterback. So – yeah, some of the, some of the, like, it was the same thing with the Sean Watson. Like some of the criticisms were unfounded. You know, like, did he have a did he have a strong enough arm to play in the NFL? All right, we'll just go look at all the bombs he's thrown to Will Fuller, and then right. we can ask ourselves that question again. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm rooting for him. He's got all the talent in the world. I just kind of. I'm more of the type to kind of reserve expectations for guys playing the first year. I know he he had that solid week 17 game against the Broncos last year, but playing a a whole 16 game slate is a, is a different beast. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and I, so I, I guess I was a draft Twitter member briefly because I at one point tweeted I would absolutely take Deshaun Watson number one, and then I later tweeted I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this class. So I, I guess I could just like go dig up the either old tweet depending on how it works out, but those would have been my two guys. And Deshaun Watson, you lead a game-winning drive against Alabama defense, and you have great games like that against them, and you're a legit prospect. I, it's it's baffling to me that a guy. Trubisky, who I don't think is terrible, but that he's, he's, he's okay, like he's fine. Right, I, I just don't think he was the, the level prospect, and he struggled when it came to his bowl game. And I know that's a just one game, but it was like, okay, one guy, if they're even similar or close, one guy leads a game-winning drive against the the also, best college the, defense ever, right? I would say the year before Watson almost did it twice. Like you're looking at two games versus Nick Saban where. Deshaun Watson has over a thousand total yards of offense, like <laughs> in two games against Nick Saban. We always talk about how that defense gets you right for the pros and how their defense is always stacked with pros and guys who do pretty well in the NFL considering how many guys they're sending into the league. He put up a thousand yards on that team. Uh, in two games, and they're just like, well, is he going to be ready for the NFL? Well, uh, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Right, yeah, and I used to think of that as sort of like the test in a way. It was like, how do you do against Alabama? Because that's as close as you'll get to the NFL talent, and nobody stepped up more than he did. And it's not like it's not like he had a Percy Harvin-level receiver prospect to just dump the ball off to, and then he ran the rest of the way or something. I mean, it was yeah, I mean, it, make no, a play. No, 
And I'll say if you, if you if you want to talk about his receivers, like if you look at what Mike Williams is doing, he's the fourth receiver in in for the Chargers right now. Right. You know, Artavis Scott was the undrafted free agent. Jordan Leggett, he's on, he's like third or fourth on the Jets tight end depth chart. It's it's not like he was going out here and throwing to Sandy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins and Andre Ellington and like like Tosh Boyd was. He was elevating the talent of this guy. So to me, it, it wasn't that surprising to see him just ball out once he had. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller in the NFL. Right, that, and, and especially with what happened to him last year, uh, kind of remind me of, of Teddy in a way, not as severe, but still like a guy who's really got a great trajectory and goes down. So as far as players to keep an eye on and be rooting for, he should be toward the top of the list. Uh, I, I, I've spent, we've spent a lot of time talking AFC, which I don't get to talk a lot about on this podcast, Charles, so I've had fun with it. <laughs> Uh, so, so let me just ask you one question for the NFC, uh, because you are very generous with your time. Is it, as far as making the list of most interesting teams, is it the San Francisco 49ers and then everybody else? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the 49ers are fascinating. I, I think the 49ers and the Rams, you know, really just the NFC West in, in general, because I think the 49ers are obviously fascinating just with the way that they've constructed their offense, you know. The way that the 49ers have, have built their offense, they don't have a target monster number one guy. Like, no Julio Jones, no AB, no Gronkowski. Like, obviously Marquise Goodwin, he's going to be uh, another good player for him, and he's had great reviews coming out of camps, but he's not going to be a guy that gets, you know, 130 targets in the season. And the way that they're going to have to spread the ball out, and one, one thing that I really do like about their skill group is all of their guys can run after mm-hmm. the catch. And I think that that's where you're starting to see modern offenses grow. So George Kittle, freak athlete, tight end, Marquise Goodwin, uh, another one of those old Bills receivers. Uh, you got Jared McKinnon, who you're more than familiar with. Uh, it's just a really fun, interesting group of guys that they've got collected together. And I'm excited to see how that grows. And then obviously on the flip side, their defense is like a weird mix of young and old. You got Richard Sherman on one side and the second year corner of Keller Witherspoon on the other side. You know, on the defensive front, they got to figure out where to get more pressure. So, uh, once you get away from the 49ers, the Seahawks, like reassembling their entire defense is pretty fascinating, uh, as well. And no one really knows how that's going to turn out, but they do have a pretty good corner, you know, Shaquille Griffin, Shaquem's brother. Uh, who kind of looks like Richard Sherman. Like, it, it's really weird. He even wears 26, and if you squint, you can see 25 in the dreads and the long arms. <laughs> he, he, he makes some big plays out there, too. Uh, the Rams, obviously, going straight Hollywood. We're getting uh, Sue. they got to bring Donald back for sure, which is probably going to get done before the regular season. I mean, Brandon Cooks, uh, just a really explosive team. And then the Cardinals, they have some nice top-end talent when you look at Patrick Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald and, uh, well, I guess that's really it. Oh, and David Johnson. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> even then, you have the, the Rosen factor, which could be, uh, another added twist because we all know that Sam Bradford, it's not likely he's going to stay healthy for 16 games. What, what uh, would make you think that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Actually, you know, he's been the bastion of durability since he got. Uh, actually, before high school, I guess, would be the last time oh. he didn't uh, get hurt during the season. Uh, so, yeah, I think like there's just so much going on with, you know, from team construction to rookie quarterbacks in that division. And that's one that I think people really got to keep an eye on. 
The, uh, the, the closer that I look at every single team, you can make a lot of cases, even though I have San Francisco number one, but I mean Green Bay with finally a new defensive coordinator, but Rodgers seems to be beefing with everybody, and um, you know, is, is it the last year for, for McCarthy there? You know, the, the, the North, Matt Patricia shows up, and you know, Chicago adds all these weapons for Trubisky, so we're going to find out if he's any good or not. And then the Kirk Cousins factor in Minnesota. Are you a believer? of Mr. Cousins? Uh, I, I mean, I like him. I like him. I think he's a, a, he's a, you know, as far as starting quarterbacks go, you can do a lot worse than Kirk. Uh, Blake Bortles, Charles. I, I watched Blake Bortles and Kirk on the same field. I will tell you, a quarterback way worse than Kirk Cousins is Blake Bortles. Okay, sorry. Go back to what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Kirk, I mean, I, I think Kirk is probably going to be better than Case Keenum. It's just like, or, or even, you know, like to me, Tyrod Taylor and Kirk Cousins are like comparable, comparable quarterback play, mm-hmm. like talents. In terms of, if you get the pieces around them, they're not going to make that many mistakes and you can probably get to the playoffs. Uh, but then you just look at the price tag of what, you know, you're, you're paying a Kirk Cousins versus what you're paying a Tyrod Taylor. But then, you know, that's just what the going rate is for quarterbacks that hit free agency. So I wouldn't complain too much about it. Uh, you just got to hope that when it comes time, like, you, you, you hope that Kirk can kind of get better versus pressure because uh, I, I don't think the Vikings off in the line is like anywhere near the the I don't, I don't think the Vikings off in the line is near uh, Washington's off in the line in terms of top end talent or overall depth. So I think that's going to be a big transition for him. But he does have the two best receivers. He's like t- like the best receiver duo that he's played with in uh, uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. So that's going to be a huge boost for him too. So it's just going to be. For him, I think it's going to be more about mitigating the offensive line pressure he's going to see this year. But if he can get past that, you know, he should be able to put up like a top eight, top seven passing season just based off, you know, flip, the weapons at receiver, and Dalvin Cook coming out the backfield. Charles, awesome stuff. I am very happy for you with the new gig. I hope people follow you. You have one of the best Twitter handles, and I'm really glad that you haven't changed it. You you haven't, have you? Like, you're not just going to be at Charles McDonald, are you? Oh, no, no, no. Four Verts is here to stay forever. That's, that's right. At Four Verts, one of the uh, best elites, I would say, even, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter handles out there. So uh, awesome analysis. Very uh, happy that you're stepping up in the world and that people can see more of your work and you're going to be doing some big projects. So I hope when you release uh, the next big project, you will uh, put me on the media tour, if you will. Charles. Will do, for sure. <laughs> Uh, when the red carpet rollout comes. So, okay, anyway, follow him on Twitter, and thank you all, as usual, for listening to The Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.